0: Hello and welcome to the Leading Communities podcast brought to you by aspire for u CIC, Ideal Directions Marketing and hosted by That's All Media CIC. This podcast has been put together to help community leaders learn from proven leaders from proven organisations. My name's Marianne Delaney and I'll be your host. In today's episode we'll be focusing on the theme of policy and to discuss this topic in more detail I'll be joined by Tom McNeil, policy advisor for the West Midlands Police and Crime Commissioner and contender for the Police Crime Commissioner's role. Hi Tom, would you like to tell us a bit about your role and yourself and what you do?
1: Yeah, well first uh, thanks very much for having me on this, I really appreciate it. It's uh, almost slightly embarrassing to think kind of a lot of people who really really want my advice but <laughs> I'll do my very best to, to explain what I do. Um, I've got a very lucky job and it's a lucky job because crime is a serious serious issue which impacts nearly everybody at some point in their lives or at least is a serious concern and so to be given a position where i spend my working days really trying to think of solutions to that problem is uh, a real privilege Uh, and hopefully uh, during this podcast i can kind of touch upon in a bit more detail what that actually means in practice
0: Okay, cool. I'm sure you will. I'm sure we'll find out a lot of information, which is great. Um, Secondly, we're also joined by Ben Toomey, Head of Policy and Research at the National Youth Advocacy Service. So hi, Ben. Thanks for joining us. Would you like to tell us a bit more about your role?
2: Yeah, hi, Marianne. Um, Work for the National Youth Advocacy Service as the head of policy and research, uh, which basically means that I'm in charge of influencing those that can make decisions about care-experienced young people. And um, so the children we work with um, and the young people, they very often have found their views sidelined um, by politicians or policymakers um, historically, which has meant that the issues and the outcomes for those young people can can become far worse. Um, so my job is to make sure that not only do I take my uh, brief. Um, as in my boss might be the care experienced young person, um, but but they also direct uh, the work and the goals that I want to achieve as well. So it's really important to have that lived experience uh, feeding through into good policy.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, great. So there's a lot there to take on board um, and uh, you can tell the experience in the room is vast. Um, we've also got, um, asking the questions today will be Kit Shawande from aspire for You. Kate, do you want to introduce yourself and let us know a bit more about you yeah
3: so uh we're a spy for you a spy for you care about developing communities by mindset financial literacy and employability um and our objective of being part of this podcast is to help uh convey the voice voices from the community and really just ask some of the questions that people are asking um out on the streets. so certain weeks it will be the community members that will be coming through and certain weeks it will be myself or one of the spy for you team asking uh, questions on their behalf. So today is a good example of um, somebody in the community that is looking to uh, really get some ideas and some answers around uh, policy. Uh, so we've got Daryl Chambers from in Power CIC. And in Power CIC run a lot of uh, martial arts and uh, health and wellbeing experiences, uh, mostly in Wolverhampton at the moment, but they will also be working in Warsaw and other regions of the West Midlands. So Daryl is the CEO, is a real advocate for working with young people and working within communities. But his question is, what should he and people like him know about how policymakers think? So quite a broad question, but he'd like to know when it comes to working with policymakers, like how, how do they think about the world?
1: It's actually quite a complex question, because on the one hand, you've got how lots of policymakers actually do think. But then on the other hand, you might want to ask how should they think? Um, and I don't think it fair to say that the world of policy is filled with lots of people who are perfect and necessarily the way it should be going forward. Notwithstanding that, I do work with lots of people I really admire. Um, So touching upon the things that I think are really key, um, you need people who actually think about the practicalities of the real world. So it's all very well having big strategic visions. For example, it could be we recognise now in society just how important good mental health is and how it probably isn't supported as much as it should be. Mental health services probably aren't funded as much as they should be. And it's very well to come out with that as a strategic vision to improve that. But then you do need other people who are really going to think, okay, well, what does good mental health support actually mean in practice now it might mean lots of counselling or it might mean other kind of medical support services i don't know i don't have all the answers but you need to bridge the strategic direction with specifics and then another huge component to that is policymakers should be thinking and some people are really superb at this and some of my colleagues are fantastic at this how are you going to advocate for that because you might have this great strategic direction which most people would agree with You might even then have the specific ideas about how to bridge that gap. But how are you going to communicate that to the rest of the world? And the rest of the world means the public, but it could also mean central government. It could mean local government. It could mean charities. It could mean businesses. And often you will need them in order to make it possible. So you've got lots and lots of different uh, skill sets that you need. Sometimes somebody will come with a little box of tricks where they kind of present all of them to you. Uh, sometimes you need people who are really specialist at some of those things. And that's when it's about really building an excellent team, a diverse team with diverse skills.
0: So getting people together and communicating what they can do best. Right well, now.
1: I mean, I'm always obsessing over the specifics of an idea. What are we actually going to do next? But in terms of strategic direction, it would be ridiculous for me to think I could do all that on my own. And so I only get that through either somebody who perhaps, or some people who have loads and loads of experience, you know, they've literally been on the earth longer than I have, and so they have a greater understanding about the complexities of society. Or I might simply not have known something was a problem until I went out into local communities. If you look at something like uh, female genital mutilation, that is a complicated issue. And if I'd have just been sat in an office on my own, thinking about crime, watching the crime statistics roll in, that wouldn't have been an issue that came to my attention. So I could have had all the great specific policy ideas in the world. None of them would have been to deal with that problem because I wouldn't have been listening to the other voices. And some people who work in policy are exceptional at knowing what they don't know and going out and getting that guidance in order to have strategic vision.
2: I think the people that work in policy or, or make policy, just to go back to basics, um, are human beings and they have a very limited amount of time, often to solve very big problems. Um, and one of the things that, that the way that they think is that they, they will see themselves as, as the good guy, usually, or the good uh, woman. Um, and. That's a really important way of thinking because often if you're um, on the outside of politics or policy, you can find yourself very frustrated and and you start to think that they might be the enemy. Uh, They might not care about, for example, in my line of work, the the children uh, who we're aiming to support. Um, but that's that's not often the case. They don't see themselves as, as, as uh, bad or evil. Um, and so what they really want is to achieve uh, certain outcomes that they value and find important so that they might put more emphasis on saving money. And, and that might be saving money for the taxpayer, so for other people. And they might put more emphasis on that than, for example, a youth centre um, or the martial arts um, course that you mentioned. And you need to convince them, um, often in their own language, what what the best way of um uh, approaching the situation is so um the way that i, I see that is that while you can argue uh, all day long about the things that matter to you you need to approach them in a way that makes those things that matter to you also matter to them um, and speak in their language in this day and age with local councils um, who faced enormous funding cuts um, over the last eight eight or nine years, um, with with government that's continuing to have financial pressures, that language often does involve um, talking about costs. So, so that will be an element. Policymakers can't do everything um, because there's not a limitless pool of money, unfortunately. So um, it's often about making the case to them that solves many of their problems so if they've got a problem with money as pretty much every council in the uk currently does um then give them something that is value for money and um, you know they can see the impact of it um, that, that's worth every penny um, and, and i think that's that's the way that, that i'd see them as thinking and one of the things uh, tom already mentioned it is around knowing what you don't know and people coming to you with a problem. Even better is people coming to you with a solution, um, an answer. Uh, A martial arts course, um, a youth centre, a certain project might be the answer that they're looking for to to solve a problem. And because they're human beings, policymakers want help. Uh, They need help, in fact, because they can't come up with all the answers themselves. And that's where the community can really get involved um, to give them that assistance. So in a way, you're saying
3: with policymakers, we shouldn't be looking at... um, policymakers as gods as it were they're humans too they're in a privileged position but actually they need as much information as anyone else so it sounds a little bit more like collaborative working Um, and then it also sounds like you're also saying that we also shouldn't be in ask mode permanently we should be in solve mode to some extent so then the next part is then how do we get into the spaces to listen to them
2: Absolutely. I, I think uh, I, I can give you a, a, an analogy if you like uh, a, a metaphor of, of how it works in terms of influencing policy to, to make sure that your point of view is heard and, and make them act on it um, so I'd use the example of making a cup of tea or, or you want someone to make you a cup of tea uh, more to the point so um, let's say it's your partner and they've come uh, you've come home from a day at work um, and you want them to make you a cup of tea and the cup of tea is your project that you want the council to fund or it's your uh, law that you want the government to change um, and and you need that you need them to make it because you're not a legislator you're not a councillor um so if you say just make me a cup of tea or please make me a cup of tea um to, to to your partner and and they they think okay well i'm on the sofa now you know i'm quite comfortable they might do it they might not uh, but it might not suit them they might you know make it yourself um <laughs> that's that's probably the most straightforward way so people think if they just ask uh, it, it might not get through um, what happens more often, though, I think, is uh, when trying to influence politicians, there's there's kind of a very um, almost um, ac- accusative approach often that, that says, um, you know, one party or one type of politician or one council never does anything. So imagine if you go to your partner on an evening and say, you never make cups of tea. I've known it since before we met and your family never has either. Now, for once in your life, would you just make me one? They're probably going to say no, because you've already got them backed against a wall. And that's what I mean about not making an enemy of the policymaker, because you want them, they're the ones with the power to fix what what you want them to fix. Um, So instead, if you came back from work and you said, I was in a meeting all day at Tom's office, and not once did he offer me a cup of tea, (laughs) would you mind please making me a cup of tea? You've given that person, that partner, that politician or that councillor, the opportunity to step in and save the day so they know that you've had a hard day they know that for example um the people the the children that don't have access to the youth center have been left on the streets and are are struggling and because you haven't said it's their fault and they don't care about those children because you've given them one of the answers of what they could do to help then they have the opportunity to step in and make it happen so i think it's really important about the way you ask and the way you frame it Um, and often you know the best campaigns that i've seen um, have involved having know someone or an organization that that can be um the organization or the person that you're arguing against um but often the person that can really make the change you leave them slightly on the sidelines so that they can step in and save the day so you'll see that mps when they change legislation around um knife crime for example they're often stepping in to be seen as the good person that they, that they see themselves as rather than stepping in to say oh okay well you've really pushed me and I'm go- I suppose I'll have to that's very rarely how laws are made.
1: I mean I suppose a lot of this depends about what a particular individual wants to achieve so if what they're really feeling is um, there's loads of things going wrong in society and I really want to get involved somehow. I want to feel like I'm contributing to the solution, whatever that be, whether that's just deep inequality, whether it's feeling like politicians aren't listening about, you know, whether it's membership of the EU or whether not enough is being done about crime it will really depend on what I would suggest the best way in is. So if it is more about that general desire to get involved in society, one really good way is to join a political party. Now, I'd have a really good think about which one first. <laughs> I really would. I'm not going to lie. I suggest Labour. But, you know, um, that's, that is one way in. Because what you will find there, it, you'll find quite a lot of dysfunction, to be honest. Uh, not Labour Party, but uh, <laughs> if you were to join the Conservatives. But you, you will you, you'll find yourself a community. And you'll find yourself a lot of activists, and some of them will be incredibly organised and inspiring people. Some will be doing a lot of really basic campaigning work, but that does not necessarily mean not important. So you just find yourself a really diverse range of individuals, diverse in terms of what they're involved in. The extent to which it's diverse in other ways will depend on the party and, and where it actually is. But then outside of the strictly political context, you've got organisations like Amnesty International or Citizens UK who are just putting social justice at the heart of everything they're doing. Uh, And you can become members of those organisations and it just gives you a real insight and window into lots of other uh, community activist opportunities. If I was being slightly more specific about the Police and Crime Commissioner's Office and actually any other politicians it is actually really on them to make sure they are creating lots of forums for people to get involved in. Now, it should be two-way, and a politician can't do everything. If you look at a police and crime commissioner, they're responsible for policing and crime for the whole of the West Midlands, which is a huge area. So they can't be expected to successfully reach out to every single person, but there is an obligation on them. And I think actually uh, the current commission does a really fantastic job in doing his best. He set up a... Uh, um, a, a gangs and violence commission which has members from the community on and hears the voice of the community. He's got a victims commission, he's got independent advisory groups, he does community surveys, he runs a consultation in the strategic direction. So there's some very practical steps in there but that doesn't mean that has to be the end. And actually, if I was being really honest talking about how people could really get involved in you know, civic society or political life I think we need to be pointing the finger straight back at central government and saying, why are you not doing more to educate very young people about what politics even is? A lot of people I've met don't even know that they can vote for local councillors, for example, or what an MP actually is or what their area is. And actually, whilst you continue to withhold that kind of education from the public, you'll always make building those links more difficult. But... Ben's already pointed out there are actually ways you can. So it's not all a negative story. But in the longer term, that's what I would like to see, to build the greater links.
0: Okay. So getting involved and being like more solutions-led and just kind of building a community where you can uh, thrive with other people who are trying to make the same change. And it's not like an isolated thing. It's not just you trying to make that change. It's other people as well. So that gives you an insight into the language that you can then use to help kind of work with policymakers a bit more
1: well i mean when you actually i'm talking about a politician's perspective mm. or somebody working in policy advising a politician there is nothing better than when the communities you're actually trying to work with genuinely feel ownership and are proactively not just coming up with the solutions themselves doing the solutions and all of a sudden the huge weight uh, a good politician feels on their shoulders of having to solve everything with limited resources and often limited power is lifted because communities have been empowered. And so, one of the best things they can do in, in a leadership position is find all the different levers and mechanisms to actually enable people in the community to, to achieve that. Easier said than done. <laughs> yeah.
0: But it has what? Well, it has happened. And, and that's the thing, there, is, there are examples of that happening. And it's just about, Power being given back and people taking it on board and just running with it, I suppose. So
1: yeah, and making sure that really good practice. So, we set up the Gangs and Violence Commission because clearly there is an issue with youth violence, and we want communities to help us come up with the solutions and then to help us decide on where funding should go. And, and I know, Kit, that you're very much involved in that too. Um, and, and Ben has had a really important part to play in that as well. Um, but what's really key is where that's really worked, let's not lose it. Let's not say, oh, well, the problem's getting better or new politicians come in or new policy officers and teams change. Let's make sure we really keep the memory of what's worked and then keep looking for how we can grow it and upscale it. And again, it shouldn't all be us. Hopefully some of it can be about inspiring about those good things that can can work.
0: Sustainability to a degree. Yeah. So, yeah. That,
1: that was the cleaner way of saying it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I wish I'd said that. <laughs> no, your example was exactly right. It just sustainability. Into my head. <laughs> so, brilliant. Okay, so, uh, Kit, are there any? Yeah, so
3: earlier, uh, Ben, you alluded to almost uh, a style of storytelling, being able to frame your ask in an intelligent way to allow somebody to feel like the hero. Now, that for me is actually a very strong nugget. I don't think it's the kind of thing that you'd go to university and learn. I think it's it's almost like a, a lived experience expertise kind of insight. So what do you think are other really useful tips that people should be bearing in mind and on the trail of sort of storytelling any other good ways to tell a story?
2: <laughs> yeah, um, to go back to basics entirely, what is policy? Uh, policy is the establishment of goals and then setting a route to achieve those goals, really. So that's the, the fundamental. Usually it starts with a problem um, and you're coming up with a, a workable solution. Um, in setting those goals, I find a really good mental exercise is to think, um, let's say, as a charity or as a community organisation, you've got to come up with one, maybe at most three different things that you want to achieve. Uh, so, outcomes. So, we're not put, talking about putting on a workshop or even um, opening a youth centre. We're talking about changing people's lives, if, if possible. So, the actual outcome itself. And once you've set those one, two, three things you want to achieve, you need to know that you're certain if the Prime Minister, it's a difficult time to talk about the Prime Minister with it <laughs> being a bit up in the air, but if the Prime Minister gave you a ring tomorrow and said, I, Got a space in my diary. I'd like you to come in and talk to me for an hour about what you do or what you want. Then you'd be able to say really clearly straight away one, two, three. This is what I want. And so you've imagined that. So you've got the clarity where you know that you'd be confident going into the top level meeting, and going away from there feeling confident that you've put across your points and hopefully it might lead to some action. Um, And then if you step back from that, you can think, wait a minute. Number one, number two, and number three probably didn't require a meeting with the prime minister. To make that change to happen so who are the people that can make that change and can we actually just work towards making the steps happen um, so that we don't need to um, get as lucky as that to have a meeting with the prime minister but instead um we've got our ideas and we've got a clear idea of who can own them who can take them on and who can change things for us and then we focus our efforts towards making that meeting happen um or getting into that room
1: Uh, from a storytelling perspective um I suppose there's two things to say one which is a very quick point I I do think there's real value in mixing methods and how you communicate message I'm deeply passionate about art I'm not particularly good at it but I really love it and I mean art in the sense of music theatre visual arts in being part of the overall package for telling stories and I think when you mix that with facts and evidence in an engaging way, it can be really powerful. But the, the next point, which is a slightly longer-winded point, is there is one story I constantly tell, and I constantly tell it because I think it's relevant for nearly every major policy decision that I'm trying to help the current police and crime Commissioner with, and it's the story of how social inequalities lead some young people into serious problems, and, and indeed, adults who are in prison who are completely demonised by the whole of society, nearly always have a really complicated backstory. And that story, in an absolute nutshell, is that most people who end up committing serious crime, most of them, had a life where mental health problems, drug addiction in the household, uh, neglect, other kinds of abuse, malnutrition, sometimes homelessness and resulting in other problems later on down the line, like school exclusions, were nearly always present. And I just think it's so vital to tell that story to other people who may not have lived that kind of life themselves or may not know just how common that life is or how often that life is present in the life of an offender to understand the journey they came on and therefore understand what is compassionate and right to do with that person if it was true that some human beings were just bad and they just took nasty decisions to do nasty things, then it would make more sense to have a society where we just punish nastiness, punish evil. But the society in the world isn't that simple, and that's why I constantly tell that story, because then, all of a sudden, when we say, do you know what, and this is a huge part of Ben's, uh, who's here, uh, his legacy, then you start to talk about drug treatment for people who are committing offences due to addictions, rather than punishment for people who are evil. You start to talk about mental health treatment rather than sending them to institutions that we know make mental health problems worse. And that's prison, in case that wasn't clear. So I think storytelling in that regard is really powerful. But it constantly needs refining because a lot of people don't actually want to hear that story. It's actually more complicated. And people would rather, because everyone's looking for an easy answer, rather than something that's actually incredibly complicated and needs loads of societal change and investment, people would rather just think, actually, some people are just bad. So we still need to think, how do we tell that story in a way that is
2: more persuasive than it is as things stand? Some, yeah, some really thoughtful points. I think the storytelling angle is a really crucial one for, for policy making and, and policy influencing. Um, what Tom says is absolutely right, that you've got a number of different elements that often contribute to a person's experience and and their life, and and you can take that for the person that you're trying to advocate on behalf of, uh, but you can also take that for the policymaker as well. You need to make those two experiences meet somehow. Sometimes that's getting them in the room together, but sometimes, um, I'll give an example, it's holding the hands of the policymaker and taking them on the journey so that they can really see uh, what, what issues are affecting them. So, How do we get them out of the office? Yes. So, so uh, an example I'll give is the um, there's a recent parliamentary inquiry into uh, children missing from the care system. And, and NIAS, who I work for, provide return interviews for those children that go missing so that we can try and keep them safe um, and find out what happened while they were missing. Um, in responding to that parliamentary inquiry, um, we took them on a journey essentially through um, the different types of reasons that children might go missing based on our, our data and what they, they've told us directly. And. Um, we use the different evidence um that we could find as well about the possible exploitation county lines um sexual exploitation that happens so we're bringing together um, evidence that's already out there as well as new evidence that we know from the clients or the young people that we work with which can be on a local level rather than across England and wales as, as i work um, and in taking them through that journey we included another offer and we put it in the parliamentary inquiry um a submission because they published that and it's expected that we might be able to work with them on that and our offer was to connect those running the inquiry so including uh, mps and people in the lords uh, connect them directly with care experienced young people that have gone missing And putting that in the inquiry where we've been already useful to them and are are really championing right at the start saying we can do more here, we'd like you to hear their voices authentically more than just our interpretation, um, really kind of nudges them along so that they've already had plenty of... um, help as I mentioned earlier being helpful to a policymaker is always a good start um, they've had plenty of help from us and then we're just offering them that next thing which they might not occur to them otherwise which if you'd offered um, face-to-face might never have been followed up if you'd offered an email might not be followed up if it's published in a parliamentary inquiry that that offer was there and it wasn't taken up and the results don't come in then we can legitimately say where was the voice of the people who are affected by the policies that you make and I think it's important to find uh, almost knowing your way around the system in that way uh, that you can start to nudge people or, or or like i say hold their hand towards the right outcome that you want to see yeah
3: because the point that you made about knowing the system is is probably the biggest part so if we take three steps back from the parliamentary inquiry so do i and or daryl start with going on twitter or linkedin to find policymakers how do we first start that conversation You know what I mean? Do we go through social media? Do we go through email first? Where where do we begin?
1: I mean, I think having elected officials should be one of the easiest ways in. So, I mean, literally uh, either finding a forum where you know, whether it's the Metro Mayor or the Police and Crown Commission or MPs or local councillors are going to be at. um, You can go there and literally ask questions about who they should be speaking to. to So you can just go on Google and... You you should be able to do that. Some people will be more responsive than others. Um, So that's a
3: good starter. And I just literally type in local counsellor. So let's just say I live in Redditch. uh, Redditch counsellor meetings or surgeries. That's a great start. Yeah. Yeah. And then hopefully that takes me to their page. I try and then fix a meeting with them. Um, So let's just say I've met that MP. What do I do next?
1: Yeah, well, first off, that isn't the only way. So just as a reminder, some of the ones I mentioned before, the likes of Citizens UK, they can be a completely different way of getting into policy. I mean, they are sometimes directing it themselves, whether it's there or doing community organising, which you could get involved in, or coming up, like Ben suggested, with the policy solutions and taking that to decision makers. So there is that indirect way as well. But also with the politicians, yes, you can Google them and look for surgeries and then go and have a conversation with them, like we're having right now. And that, for for those who are good and proactive, that should lead you to all sorts of links. And it might not necessarily be leading you to somebody who works in a local authority policy position, it might be leading you to, you know, a local, depends what your issue is, if it's environmentalism, might lead you to an environmental cooperative, or an environmental charity, or there might be Events holding where they're convening loads of people, policymakers, politicians, community members, different charities. So I, mean, I think it's quite organic, and that's why it goes straight back to the question what is it you want to achieve? If it's a, a vague idea, which is completely legitimate, when I first started getting involved in politics, I wasn't quite sure why, other than I'm quite angry. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got a bit of a chip on my shoulder. I think society's really, really unfair and unequal. There's things that made me angry about my life, things that made me angry about my family. So I was like, who's in charge of all this? (laughs) (laughs) Who's in charge? And so I contacted the local MP, a party of which I knew I would not be supporting, but I still asked him, hey, what do I do next? Who else do I ask? Where do I go? How can I get involved in this bit? And, And actually, to his credit, You know, he's not the party I would support, but he was actually very helpful. And then he pointed me in the direction of somebody else. And I spoke to that person and they pointed me in the direction of somebody else. And then it kind of flowers. So I think having that first conversation and saying what it is you want to get out of it, knowing. So some people say networking generally is good. And I'm no doubt it works for some people. But I cannot bear to go to a networking event. And that could be a community event or you know, uh, cancer surgery, I can't bear to go somewhere unless I know what it is I want to get out of it, otherwise I'm just floating around drinking more tea than I can handle. <laughs> and cake. But the minute you go <laughs> and you know, thumbs up.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I I, I think um, when, when you're trying to influence policy makers, being in the room is really important, and that that might be a metaphorical room. It might be that you've got them by email or you can, you can get their phone number, um, but you want to be in the room where it all happens. And the important thing is... Never leave that room without knowing what the next steps are or without having an idea of what the next steps are. And another nugget, if you like, on top of that, is don't enter the room without having an idea of what the next steps might be as well. So it's really important that when you're going about planning um, for, for the meeting, that you've got an idea of what they could do for you and then how you might push them towards that. So the next steps might be something as simple as I'll update you once I've checked that. Or it might be even clearer, we're taking this issue to the um, House of Commons floor where we're going to raise a question with the government minister about that issue. So you know that it's constantly moving forward, but you don't want to leave with it shaking hands saying, oh, that was nice to know, but yeah. now what?
1: And just to add to that, actually, sometimes the thing I'm trying to get out of it is just to ask a question. Like, there are some issues that seem so big, and you know, they're outside my area of expertise. I really don't know what the answer is but I know what my question is going to be and I'm going to go in and so the next step might be chasing them up on the answer that they promised they were going to give me when they didn't know the answer to my face and that might be the next step and I think that's a really good place to be obviously think hard whether you've got some solutions and ideas to offer up think hard about that but if you really don't know having a really good question and holding people to account whether they're an employed policy officer or otherwise is also really really valuable
2: it was a, an American policymaker, Bobby Kennedy, who I quite admired, JFK's younger brother, um, and he used to say some people see things as they are and ask why, others dream things that never were and ask why not. And so that's really about, you don't need the answers all the time, but at least ask why. And then if you can come up with some, some new ways of doing things, then absolutely drive and push it and, and be the leader in your community. Yeah.
0: So what would you say to people that get disheartened? I mean, earlier you were saying that sometimes they might hit a brick wall and people aren't getting back to them. I mean, yeah, what would your advice be there?
1: So I would say on earth, I'm not quite sure what the figure is now, but I think it's around (laughs) 7 billion people and many different countries, many different conflicts, many different environmental disasters. Finding solutions to the world's problems is hard. So you've got to have guts and energy and not expect things to change straight away but i think the people who do keep pushing and don't allow themselves to give up at the first time of challenge they're the ones who actually end up changing society so if you go in knowing that nothing's going to be solved immediately you're already preparing yourself well it's like an athlete who's going to go to the biggest game of the season you know it might be the game of their entire life i think damn good preparation is knowing that you might go a goal down or two goals down, but you can still win and it does happen. And teams do come back. So go in prepared for things not to be super easy and you're already starting to build the kind of character traits you need to make something successful. So stick
2: at it. I've I've got a, um, if it suits you, I've mentioned the policy triangle to you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. I've got a diagram metaphor that i use which is a a, what i call the policy triangle which starts with um policy and and this isn't just the policy makers themselves but as the community activist you will be defining your policy because it's your goal your outcome that you want to achieve so it starts with policy it moves on to communications and that's all about making sure that you're getting uh, it might be the email to the MP it might be going to the press it might be even writing a tweet you're putting across starting the ball rolling on on your policy idea Uh, and then the communications ideally lead to access which is what I'm saying being in the room where it all happens making sure that you've got into the room with the person that can make the change and then once you've got that access the next steps should feed back into that policy as well so uh, they improve the goal Uh, they might meet the goal in which case you might think okay where next so if you've set up a project obviously you need to deliver that project and demonstrate the outcomes make it sustainable Um, but in terms of thinking about frustrations along the way you need to see that triangle as as a journey Um, so where the policy isn't being communicated well. You need to spot that it's not getting through uh, in that way and you need to work a way around it. You need to f- come up with a new way of communicating. If your communications are all good, um, and this happens a lot when you're working for a politician even, sometimes you get you know, really good goal, really good press coverage, but the minister who could change, uh, get the ball rolling on changing the law won't meet with you. Um, so you don't get the access that you need Um, and then you have to go back to the drawing board think about who else can put pressure on that minister um, how else can i approach that minister communicate with that minister to to get in the room if they're the only one that can do it um and and you're always finding a way around any blockages um essentially so that's the the policy triangle as i visualize it is a really good way of seeing that frustrations will come up and then always identifying where they are so that you can overcome them
3: yeah i mean i definitely i think from putting myself in the shoes of a lot of the organizations we work with and also looking at the bigger picture I think the the big takeaway from this is that it's a game of stamina and it's not just being in the moment or in state like you might be fired up today but if you really want change it takes time it takes commitment Um, and it also sounds that you've got to do it intelligently is what you're you're really telling us that again, it's not just about the mood we're in, but we need to think things through. Um, This is just almost as a a passing question. And um, as we close, can someone in 2019 do it alone? Or do you need a team? Or do you need to start thinking about a community movement? Or because very often a lot of us look at leaders as that one person. But actually, is that the reality? Is there more to it based on what you've been saying?
1: I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, no one can achieve anything really good on their own. And actually, (laughs) nearly every single thing in existence is interrelated to other things. And so some people might think that they've actually done everything on their own. But for a start off, they weren't brought into this earth on their own they needed parents (laughs) they needed upbringing they needed friends they needed people to give their language that they've got people need to give them education whether formal or otherwise and so there's so many things which went into contribute to even somebody who's an outstanding community leader and then when they get to being an outstanding community leader you literally need hundreds and thousands of people to enable something. I'll give you a really good example. I, I, talk, I use this. It's not so much public policy. It's about business. I use this as an example to give to people, to make them understand why tax is important. I might be saying to somebody, um, you've got an internet entrepreneur, they're an internet entrepreneur, and they've created a website on their own. They did it on their own. They've had the skills. Uh, and it's a really good website, and they're selling products and goods on their website and people are going to it and buying loads and this entrepreneur whoever she or he may be is making loads of money out of it um and they get the tax bill through and they're really not happy they just don't understand why they should be giving out all this tax because they've just done all this on their own their hard work they started it all but then you need to remind them that somebody had to build and put in place all the internet cables required to make their online presence possible somebody had to build all the roads to make it possible for all the goods that they sell to get there somebody often on a low income had to work in the factories behind which their products are actually created or the packaging or the paper that contributed to it somebody had to build the hospitals and work in them to allow the human beings to actually buy those products to be in existence at all and to have jobs and to have the money to buy those products. So that person didn't do it all on their own. They actually required a remarkable number of other things to happen independently to contribute towards their success. And it's no different in public life. In fact, there, it's just a little bit more spoken about and accepted that you need many, many people in order to
2: make a society a success. I think you can make a splash as one person, though, definitely. Um, and often it takes one person to, to spot the problem or to frame it in a whole new way um, that, that drives uh, forward the change that needs to happen. So it's, you know, the more people you can get around you, the, the better uh, in terms of making changes. But but often if you're spotting the issue um, and you find yourself in the minority, as, as, as you often will be when you're fighting for change, um, because, you know, the majority rules usually and the majority often content uh, with the way things are or they haven't thought about it uh, more often than that and um, then you know as as one person or as a small group uh, you can make a big difference um, as long as you are tenacious and as long as you make the decision uh, to to act and, and and to not let go if there's an injustice um, or something that you want to change
3: this one's like a, a separate one but actually if you got a question for the community number 1 and then number 2 if there was a book that you thought people need to read to start getting their heads around leading and leadership, what would it be? So, have you got a community question, something that you're curious about other people answering, literally? Um, and is there a leadership book that you would recommend?
1: I would like to ask people how helpful they find it being contacted directly on social media about what people are doing. So, if there was going to be a Facebook post or an Instagram post about uh, the work Ben Toomey did in our office on uh, drugs and drug treatment and what kind of system change, is that something people want to see or is that level of engagement you know, not sufficient for
3: them? Okay, so you mean do people want to actually see individual pieces of work mm-hmm. that you're working on on social media platforms and do they want to give feedback to those pieces of work? So like consultations basically are they
1: open sometimes i mean we have lots of formal consultations but sometimes you do just have to get on with communicating what you're doing otherwise all you'd ever do is ask questions sometimes you've got to get on and do what i want to know is exactly what you said is it interesting to people and and does it give assurance and is it useful to see a little bit of depth by having targeted social media at them about that kind of thing and book I'm just about to look at the list of books I've recently. <laughs> <listened to. laughs> I'll come back to you in about oh, thirty man.
3: seconds. And Ben?
2: Well, my question, if, if I'm talking to the community that's listening to this podcast, I'd ask them, "What is it that you would like to change? Um, if you know what it is, and if you know which policymakers you need to influence, then what are you waiting for?" Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> and book. Uh, a book i'd recommend is something called who moved my cheese uh, it's not about cheese as it happens um although i do love ch- a bit of cheese um but it's it's a book that's about how uh, to cope with change and deal with change um based on the fact that eventually sometimes whatever you want in life um your cheese as it happens in my case and in the books um whatever you want sometimes runs out you know, there's not infinite cheese um, and you need to go and find some more so it's, it's really about adapting and and changing and that's probably important in a If you're campaigning or if you're trying to get a project through, uh, because it can be frustrating at times, you just need to be aware that you can adapt all the time. You can keep uh, finding your work fulfilling, um, but it doesn't mean always plugging away in exactly the same way. So keep learning, keep striving for, for new things.
1: So I've now looked at the list of books on my phone, <laughs> and I've remembered one that, that has really influenced me in recent times. It's called Moral Politics, How Liberals and Conservatives Think. It's by George Lakoff. It's not exactly light reading. How do we so spell you, Lakoff? Uh, L-A-K-O-F-F. Okay. And the reason this was really useful for me is it reminded me that people on the left side of politics, the Labour Party, we're always talking about social justice and inequality, and what we can end up forgetting is that just because people don't necessarily support our party, it doesn't mean they don't care about inequalities. And we can sometimes almost be slightly offensive in a way that we talk to other people as though when if they are less in favour of increased taxes to spend more in hospitals and schools, it doesn't necessarily mean they don't care about hospitals and schools. And our very messaging can really, really turn people off. And it's about comp- Completely shifting in our minds the the
3: angle they're looking at the problem from. Excellent, I have to say, a big thank you. Um, this has been the most intelligent conversation of my month. It goes
2: down <laughs> from here. I said yeah. <laughs> the yeah, first yeah. hour is good. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's been uh, it's been great to think, and it's been great to get you know additional points of view. So, thank you very much. Uh, over to Marianne.
0: Great, great roundup. Thank you. Um, I mean, the analogies have been fantastic. To be fair. I won't look at making a cup of tea the same way again. So. <laughs> 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 I'll see if my partner will make want to know. Try it, try it out. Um, so thank you ever so much for your time. That's really, really inspiring practical advice that I'm sure will be helping our listeners. So if any of our listeners do have any questions at all, you can give out your details for twitter if anybody wants to contact you on twitter at all so tom is at mcneil m-c-n-e-i-l underscore tom and then we have ben which is at ben to me uk and to me is spelled t-w-o-m-e-y so thanks again guys um yeah brilliant
3: that's it thank you so much guys <laughs> yeah thank you
0: Thank you for listening. To keep up to date with Leading Communities podcast releases and updates, follow us at A4UCIC, at Ideal Directions and at That's All Media.